and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We have a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. Now, if you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And then if you just want to listen, we've got you covered on podcasting apps, folks. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Monday coming off of a big old super wild card weekend, baby. I mean, the Saturday games, the Sunday games. Uh, what do we got? I mean, uh, the Browns last night. Holy moly. Fantastic. Great job by the Browns to just to absolutely run all over and crush and dominate from the first quarter to the fourth quarter against the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky played like Mitch Trubisky and put up three points. <laughs> Congratulations. Um... Lamar Jackson gets his revenge from last season. Finally, Jim John Harbaugh was focusing on Lamar Jackson or focusing on Derrick Henry. That's what you're supposed to do when you face the Titans. Um, Philip Rivers played a little bit better than I thought he would. So great job to that man. Um, what were the other games? Oh, Tom Brady and uh, versus Chase Young. I mean, Chase Young didn't really get to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady gets the win there. And then the last game, I'm missing. What do we got? What was the last game? There it is. Ram Seahawks. Oh, my goodness. Seahawks offense flounders again, again. So, unfortunate for Russell Wilson. He is now out of the playoffs. So, we'll be breaking down all those games um, today. And, yeah, we'll go from there. But And then we'll also do our moneymaker for the national championship game today. Ohio State, Alabama. We'll see who wins. We'll see what the line is. I think it opened at... Um, Ohio State plus seven and a half. So we'll see if the line is still that and we'll give you our money maker for that at the end of the show. But before we get into all that, we've got to cover our daily story. So here we go. Browns get all clear in their latest round of COVID-19 testing. Fantastic. You know, Kev, no Kevin Stefanski and a couple of other coaches, but in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter. Maybe they should have Kevin Stefanski not be the head coach for the Browns this or next week because of how well the game went this week. So, uh, Browns, all good. No more COVID outbreak, hopefully, um, in the Browns facility. Hopefully, everybody's good to go for next week's game. Alrighty, Bucks getting a little bit healthier as well. They activated linebacker Devin White and defensive tackle Steve McClendon in, uh, from the COVID-19 list. So Bucks defense once again getting a little bit better, and they're definitely going to need that because they're facing the Saints next week. Big time matchup, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees round three. I think Drew Brees got both of them, doesn't he? I think the Saints won both those matchups. So uh, Bucks defense definitely going to have to, you know, definitely shore up whatever they did because you know we saw uh, Taylor or yeah Taylor Heineke do very very well this week. So uh, Bucks defense getting better. He's got Drew Brees coming in, or they have to go into Drew Brees' town. So we'll see how that holds up. Already in the Rams, holy cow, they are just battling injury and adversity. They won the game last week, and uh, here we go. John Walford, we all saw him get knocked out of the game, I think, on the first drive. Uh, Sean McVay says it's just a stinger, and he'll be day-to-day. -day. We'll see how that works. Uh, Aaron Donald has a rib injury, but Sean McVay is thinking that he's going to definitely be good to go. And then wide receiver uh, Cooper Cup got injured, like, really at like the last drive when he probably shouldn't even have been in and he gets injured there 
Um, McVeigh says it's a bursitz. I don't even know what the heck this is, but bursitz on his knee and, uh, quote, the hope is to have him ready to go. So, uh, Rams kind of falling apart a little bit while everybody else is getting healthier, getting players off of the COVID list. Rams are still like, damn, we, mm, we still got some, <laughs> we still got some banged up pieces over here. Um, so we'll see what, what's up with these people throughout the week. Keep an eye on them. Alrighty, and oh my goodness, is this an end of an era? Is Big Ben done? Big Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Marquise Pouncey photographed after the game, sitting on the bench. Not looking good, looking a little sad. Big Ben, he did not look good out there at all. I mean, he couldn't move. His arm wasn't good. I mean, it, it, I think it's the end of him, unfortunately. Now, if you want to look for a silver lining, he got to the playoffs, and his last pass was a touchdown and then a two-point conversion pass. So, I mean, he's going to go out on a high note if he chooses to retire. And I also believe that if he plays next year, if the Steelers ha still have him, he's getting paid $41 million. So, Big Ben, he's probably going to play next season because he wants that 41 mil Steelers probably don't want to give him the 41 mil he's not worth 41 mil I'll tell you that right now I mean did you watch him all game he couldn't move around in the pocket uh, he couldn't, you know, air out the ball down the field. He was inaccurate on most of the passes that's why they had like four turnovers in the first half of this game so it's truly unfortunate. Big Ben, I was kind of rooting for him. I wanted to see him, you know, kind of, you know, ride off into the sunset. But uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen because he just got beat in the first round of the playoffs after starting 11-0 against the Cleveland Browns, who haven't won a playoff game in 25 years. Not a great look for him. He didn't look good. Nobody looked good in this game, truthfully, unfortunately, except the Browns. They all looked very good. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Big Ben in this offseason. But uh, I think he hangs it up. Alrighty, here we go. A little coaching news. Dan Quinn, he spent Saturday interviewing for the Cowboys defensive coordinator job. Now, Dan Quinn, not a good head coach. Now, is he a good defensive coordinator? Yeah, probably. I mean, you don't get a head coaching job if you didn't come from somewhere. So, that's Dan Quinn's background defense. So, um, you know, I got no problem with him going to the Cowboys now. The only real problem is do you really want Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy on the same squad? I mean, Mike McCarthy can't coach and Dan Quinn really couldn't be a head coach either and you know blowing leads both of them did that bad defenses both of them really had that um you know in Atlanta for Dan Quinn and Cowboys you know they just fired other defensive coaches because they were that bad in the beginning of the season I thought they cleaned it up at the end but you know, we'll see how it works out here for Dan Quinn if he gets the job. I mean, I mean, this is just the interview, but uh, um, you know, Dan Quinn, I like to see him getting out somewhere else. Not a not a head coach, not a head coach. That man, I mean, you're blowing leads. That comes down to coaching and leadership. Dan Quinn, unfortunately, can't do that for an entire team. He could do that for the defense, but uh, you know, not 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 a head coach. Alrighty, and then our last story, and this is the funniest thing you will ever see in sports. I, I I think this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So if you've been noticed, if you noticed um, on the weekend that there was two games that were simulcast on Nickelodeon, um, they had different commentators, you know, they were getting slimed on the field through the graphics. Every time, you know, somebody got a touchdown, there'd be slime on the field. Sean Payton actually got slimed on camera after the game. I guess he made a promise to Nickelodeon or something that he would get slimed if he won the game. And they won the game very comfortably I mean Mitch Trubisky didn't do anything but Nickelodeon for this Saints Bears game they had an award called the MVP which is the Nickelodeon Valuable Player Award so you know basically just like an MVP but Nickelodeon style so uh, throughout the game they were having the voting in the, the top three 
vocators I don't get. I, I didn't watch the simulcast, but I saw this, you know, throughout Twitter throughout the night because it was very funny. To, it was very entertaining to see all the memes up here. But this was the MVP voting. Mitch Trubisky number one at 37%. Y'all voted Mitch Trubisky for an award? Why? I don't know who the broadcasters are or who the commentators were over there on Nickelodeon, but why were you propagating Mitch Trubisky, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky to like a, a, a young audience that's not gonna how you get viewers to watch sports and watching bad quarterback play you want the kids to be watching bad quarterback play I don't get it so the the fans over there at Nickelodeon they voted Mitchell Trubisky for the MVP um, he put up three points I'm not counting that touchdown late in the game I don't care about that it came in garbage time and it doesn't matter and I'm sure I actually think it was a little bit of um, a little bit of a fixed game that Nickelodeon you know hit up Roger Goodell he was like hey we got this award and Mitch Trubisky doesn't have a passing touchdown yet you think you can get him one you know in garbage time and I think you know they gave him the <laughs> they gave him a free seven because you know he needed to get a touchdown for the MVP for some reason so everybody votes him the MVP and then you got this kid presenting the award, and he miss he messes up Mitch Trubisky's name. First, he calls him Mike Trubisky, and then he cor corrects it to Mitch Trubisky. So very funny there. And then he's like, also, you know, he may not have won the game, but he's got this nice award right here. And yes, this is what Mitch Trubisky he wants. He wants to lose a playoff game, but get the MVP award, a made-up award that's never happened ever. That means absolutely nothing because we just saw who won it. So next year whoever wins the MVP it will meet th this award is worthless it's worthless they w they gave it to a quarterback of the losing team who put up three points and couldn't even pass for 200 yards all right if that's what Nickelodeon's pushing I don't know but we don't like Mitch Trubisky and that's I will only call him Mitch Trubisky for the rest of his career um, congratulations on the MVP everybody give this man a round of applause Mitch Trubisky he did it folks he did it he's got the coveted MVP award he doesn't want the MVP he doesn't want to go deep in the playoffs. He's looking for that Nickelodeon slime award, folks. So, Mitch Trubisky, folks, give it up for him. <laughs> give it up for Mitch Trubisky. I, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this. Drew Brees doesn't get a vote. Drew Brees doesn't get more than 15% of the vote. Why did they, like, only give it to the Bears players? The top three were Mitch Trubisky. Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack what no Taysom Hill no Alvin Kamara no Michael Thomas no Emmanuel Sanders no Jared Cook no Drew Brees I would give it to Sean Payton give Sean Payton the MVP award oh my goodness they give it to I I don't know what's happening in this world folks I don't know um, alrighty, that, that's all the news we had to talk about today folks that's it the MVP Mitchell Trubisky congrats <laughs> congrats Alrighty, now let's quickly, well, we'll spend most of the show on this, but we are going to go out and, um, you know, recap all these games, you know, kind of do our base work of what we do still, you know, in the regular season of breaking all down all the games on Monday to get us ready for next week. I mean, we still got playoffs next week, folks, so going to still kind of do the same rhythm, same format of this week, even though, you know, it's wild card, there's less teams to talk about. We'll still kind of um, try to fit it in. 
our normal schedule where we break down everything on Monday. Tuesday, probably not going to do a cash and trash list and power rankings, probably switch that up a little bit. We're not going to be talking about teams that we don't need to talk about anymore. We're just focused on teams that are in. So I think we're going to kind of spend this week just kind of breaking down a lot, a lot of film. Uh, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Not 100% sure on the, sh- the format of the show for this week, but uh, you know we're, we'll still be here. We'll still be here. <laughs> so here we go. Let's do this. Here we go. First game, we got to go all the way back to Saturday at 1 o'clock for the Bills and the Colts. And I know I'll say it right off the rip, uh, Phillip Rivers played a little bit better than I thought. I didn't think they would put up 24 points. Now, uh, you know, the game, so let's talk about our picks and our bad and all that so we can kind of defend that a little bit. We took... uh, Bills minus six and a half. We thought it was perfect. And this game was kind of Bills minus six and a half were really, you know, the back half of this game. They got up, you know, 24-10, perfect um, going into the fourth quarter. And then the Bills defense just kind of struggled a little bit um, on the run, on the on the ground game to kind of cover it up. So let's talk about the Colts real quick. Phillip Rivers, 27 of 46 for 309 yards, two touchdowns and no picks. So very well done to Phillip Rivers for not turning the ball over. I thought it was going to come. I was waiting for it. I was watching this game all day, and I was waiting for this this pick to come because, you know, that's what we've been saying. Uh, you know, these last two weeks, week 16 and week 17, throwing interceptions in the second half of games lazily. I uh, thought it would carry over in this game. It didn't. So congratulations. We can kind of, you know, praise Phillip Rivers for not turning the ball over a little bit. Alrighty, the running backs for the Colts, and this is where the Bills struggle just a tad, just a tad, and you really won't see it in the stats, but here it is. Jonathan Taylor, 21 carries for 78 yards. He had a touchdown, and Nehem Hines, 6 carries for 75 yards. So running back by committee got it done over 150 yards. That's, that's exactly what you want. They ran the ball like 27 times with running backs. You love to see that as well. Um, you know, keeping up the running game. We saw Frank Reich do it last week, and he kind of carried it over to this week. 27 rushes. It's fantastic. Um, so the Bills didn't get gashed for big yard. I mean, they got gashed down the stretch for like big yards, like chunk plays, like 10, 15, 20 yards. That's what they were giving up on these last two drives. So Bill's defense really kind of floundered in the fourth quarter because, I mean, realistically, this is a 24-10 game, folks. I mean, 14-point win there basically for the Bills. Um, The Colts go down. They get this touchdown. They miss the extra point. Now it's eight. I mean, now it's eight. But look at this drive here in the fourth quarter. 29-yard run, 20-yard run. That sets up, you know, some easy passes, 11-yard pass, 6-yard pass. And just like that, they score a touchdown because of those running backs and now look at this last touchdown that they scored in the Colts in the fourth quarter um you know three-yard run, 13-yard pass, and then the 33-yard run. And then, you know, then it's Phillip Rivers for 27 yards. You know, the run sets up the pass. So the Bills just gave up a couple of big chunk yards in the fourth quarter, which is something that we definitely have to keep an eye on. Is it super concerning? No, not super concerning. It's a little concerning because you don't want to, you know, play your worst defense in the fourth quarter because, you know, you'll lose games because of that. So uh, Colts didn't do anything great or really – they didn't do anything like fantastic throughout the game. Neither did really the Bills, but Josh Allen was really on point. But um, it was you know Philip Rivers a little bit of dink and dunk, and he was really capitalizing on those big run plays in the fourth quarter that really gave him you know a ton of yards here. So Colts 
little bit better than I expected that they would. Philip Rivers not turning it over. It was a huge, huge plus for him. Um, but still, it, when it comes down to it in the fourth quarter, when they still have a chance, I mean, it was a three-point game with two minutes and 30 seconds left. He gets bailed out on a non-fumble call that was clearly a fumble. Can we talk about this real quick? We've got it queued up. I mean, folks, what is this? What is this? This is fourth and 10, and this is a fumble, and this is clear fumble. He's up. He's off the ground, folks. Come on. Um, so I don't know what the refs were doing here. This should have been, you know, not even as close as it even kind of seemed. It, it should have been over at this point. They called this a completed catch down by contact and no fumble. But, folks, he's. this is the first frame that he's touched in. And everybody's saying, oh, his shin's down. You can't really tell if his shin's down. No, you can't tell. His shin's not down at all. It's not even close to being down. You can literally see all the green. You can see the white line. Is any part of his body touching that? You can't see it right here because his leg's blocking it. But if his knee's not touching, his shin is clearly not touching. It, it, what part of his shin is touching? So I really don't get the call here. It was kind of a blunder call that really almost cost the Bills the win because that's a ton of momentum to get that. Now they're almost in field goal range. But uh, we have to talk about the play calling for this Colts team because Frank Reich was not very good here. Um, so they get it all the way down to the 47-yard line, and then Phillip Rivers can't come up clutch. I mean, look at this. <laughs> where's the uh, Where's the replay? So after the replay, they give him the 17-yard pass. The next four plays are minus one-yard rust, minus one-yard pass. So Phillip Rivers, not a good decision there. Pass incomplete, pass incomplete, turnover on downs, pass incomplete. So Phillip Rivers just can't be clutch. We know this, and the Bills win by seven or by three because of it. But I still like the minus six and a half for the Bills. It's just a couple of big plays um, that the Bills just could not cover in the fourth quarter that really gashed them. So the big runs, 20, 25 yards, and then you got Jack Doyle wide open for a touchdown. What is that about, too? So um, Bills were the better team throughout the entire game. Colts kind of caught some luck in the fourth quarter with some big plays, but Phillip Rivers can't get it done at the end of the day. So that's how this game kind of played out. Um, also, you know, going forward on fourth and one, not taking the three points, going for the two-point conversions, not getting it. Frank Reich, I mean, you're on the road with Phillip Rivers, who hasn't really shown anything consistent of putting up points in the second half of games, and he's just kind of throwing away points in the first half. It didn't make any sense to me. You have to take points whenever you can get them. Um, they're hard to come by, as we, as we kind of saw this week in the playoffs. I mean, we saw, you know, the Seahawks and Rams struggle offensively for the most part um, you know we saw some teams we saw the Steelers really struggle offensively for the most part I mean yes they yes they made it a decently competitive but you know they made it decently competitive when they were already down 28 nothing like at that point is you know is it just the defense you're just backing off and you just getting free stuff free points free drives free yards yeah most likely so Got to take points when you can get them, and Frank Reich did not do that here, and it, it cost him at the end of the day. He gave up so many free points, and they lose by three, one possession, field goal. I mean, come on. All right, now let's talk about Buffalo because they played very good. Josh Allen played good. I don't care what anybody says. Um, he did fumble, but he didn't lose it, so hey, we give the man credit. So Josh Allen went 26 of 35 for 304 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Very, very well done by the man. And he was just throwing some absolute beautiful darts, some absolute beautiful passes. What's the one to um, Stefan Diggs? Here it is. Nope. 
right here. Hey, where is it? Here it is, 35-yard pass to Stephon Diggs. This is one of the most beautiful passes I've seen Josh Allen make. Let's quickly watch it right here. I mean, folks, look at this. Literally just a rainbow, a rainbow, perfectly drops in, perfectly drops into this man. This is the point where the game was over, 24-10, start of the fourth quarter. You can see it here beautifully. Let's watch this one more time. And he's going through all his reads. And, I mean, folks, you can't get a better pass than this. It's so beautiful. Josh Allen, he's the best quarterback in the league, folks. I don't <laughs> I don't know how much, how many more times we have to see this pass and this play, but he can air it out. He's so precise. He doesn't make the mistakes. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he played absolutely perfect here against the Colts. We could talk about the play calling here for the Bills a little bit uh, because Josh Allen, he was the leading rusher, and I do not like that at all. I still kind of thought that Sean McDermott was calling the game a little bit gimmicky, a little bit with the trick plays, having Josh Allen run it 11 times. I thought it was a little unnecessary. Um, so I, I, I don't like the kind of play calling Sean McDermott's kind of working with here. Uh, it kind of seems like he thinks, oh, I'm in the playoffs. Like everybody's going to know what we do and stop it so easily. So we have to kind of go a lot with trick plays. No, it doesn't need to work like that. You're already carving up defenses. Just stick to what you've been doing. And I think Sean McDermott is slowly getting away of what they've kind of been doing throughout the season and is starting to do a lot of trickery. A lot of misdirection and a lot of plays that really you shouldn't be running, you know, back to back to back. Maybe one here, you know, one a game, but not all these trick plays, not all these rushes with Josh Allen. You know, 11 rushes and he did fumble once and he got on top of it. He got it back, but still at the end of the day, it could have been a turnover. And that's what happens when we see Josh Allen with a ton of rushes. He likes to fight for the extra yards. He doesn't like to go down. He likes to, you know, try to, you know, have a, hit the home run ball. That's what he's trying to do. So... I would kind of cut out a lot of these runs here by Josh Allen. Just keep it up. Just pocket passing by Josh Allen. If you have a move out of the pocket, that's fine. He can obviously use his legs as a weapon. I mean, all these pass, all these rushes by Josh Allen weren't designed quarterback runs, but still, it was a lot of trickery there, kind of, especially in the first couple of drives that you know, kind of, um, you know, took them a second to get you know get going offensively, but. <clears throat> You know, so I, I would like the Bills to kind of stick away uh, from the trickery next week when they have to face Baltimore because that's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be tough for them. All right, so as we said, Josh Allen leading rusher, 11 carries, 54 yards. He did rush for a touchdown. Very well done. But then you got Devin Singletary with three carries for 21 yards and Zach Moss with uh, seven carries for 21 yards. So 10 carries by running backs when you have Josh Allen, you know, 30, throwing the ball 35 times. You know, let's start, you know, establishing the run a little bit more. Um, so that was that. Um, all right, uh, Stephon Diggs, leading receiver by Buffalo. Did anybody not think Stephon Diggs would not be the leading receiver for the Bills playoff game? Come on. Uh, six receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown. And then you got Gabriel Davis here. Four carries, 85 yards. Cole Beasley, seven carries, 57 yards. So spreading the ball around to his weapons, and you love to see that. So Josh Allen had an absolutely fantastic day. Then to turn the ball over, some absolutely beautiful rushing or passing touchdowns. He had the rushing touchdown, and at the end of the day, they win the game. They go up, you know, 14 points, pretty much a big lead. Uh, the defense of the Bills did not really give up anything. They gave up 10 points through four quarters. 
That's pretty darn good. Yes, they kind of got gashed on some big plays down the stretch in the fourth quarter, but they can definitely clean that up. Let's not be too alarming on this Bills team. It's just the Bills defense. They played a great game, but that fourth quarter is just something something sparked for the Colts that their run game was able to kind of pick up, pick up a big chunk plays, and it kind of, you know, kept the Bills defense off balance. And that's why, you know, um, Phillip Rivers was able to kind of sling the ball around in the fourth quarter a little bit. So, Bills, nothing to worry about. Josh Allen's fine. The defense, they just got, you know, beat in the fourth quarter. But, you know, by some of these other defenses that we've seen this week, you know, this is the best that, you know, the Bills could do. You know, they got beat, but they still won the game. You know, we've seen defenses, you know, Washington's defense get beat and actually lose the game. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the Bills next week. They got a tough opponent in the Ravens. We'll talk about the Ravens in a second when we get to the game. But, man, oh, man. At least they're at home. At least the Bills are at home for that Ravens game because they are definitely going to need every advantage they can have against that Lamar Jackson running team. Alrighty, now let's go to the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. Rams and Seahawks in the Seahawks offense. Flounders once more. How truly unfortunate. I mean, Russell Wilson, 11 of 27. 11 of 27. That's not even 50% completion. Oh, my goodness. And you're definitely not winning a game when you're completing 11 passes. Well, I shouldn't say that because Jared Goff, he completed nine passes. so And he won the game. So uh, the running game, the defense was the main story of these teams of this game the quarterbacks really were just game managers and Russell Wilson was turning the ball over so he wasn't being a true game manager here 11 of 27 174 yards two touchdowns one pick let's see when his pick came and it was a pick six look at this in the second quarter down six to three and he throws a pick six giving the Rams a 10 point lead now luckily uh, for Russell Wilson he cleaned up his own mistake after the pick six he goes down on a nice five play 75 79 yard drive and just hits uh, DK Metcalf for 51 yards so what so let's watch this play real quick this is what you wanted to see in this game. You wanted to see Russell Wilson go to DK Metcalf. We finally got to hear, you know, kind of late in the second quarter. This could have been the turnaround of the game, but unfortunately it wasn't. It was just kind of a, a blown assignment defensively for the Rams. They weren't giving up all these plays. So, you know, I, I, I forget what we said, how many yards that Russell Wilson had, but let's take off 51 of them. Let's take off 51 of them and talk about it. Now, great job by DK Metcalf being a great wide receiver, knowing nothing's open and getting open because you know you saw Russell Wilson you know kind of struggling there to buy time in the pocket so well done by DK Metcalf to get behind the defense but you know at the end of the day that's just a big one play hitter so I mean Russell Wilson 174 yards you take off 50 that man threw 120 yards for the entire game it's just the Seahawks offense they got exposed midway through the season they were having they were fantastic in the first you know seven eight games and then as soon as DK Metcalf started to get big and every team started to shut him down the Seahawks couldn't do anything so truly unfortunate here I don't know what the Seahawks do for next season you have to do you got to do something I mean maybe get a new offensive coordinator but you know this Seahawks offense was very very pathetic they could not do anything all game the running game here we go Chris Carson 15 carries 77 yards not bad that's pretty decent that's you know about, about average maybe a little bit above average for an entire game so well done Russell Wilson six care or four carries for 50 yards so nothing you know it, 
you know, just kind of him doing classic Russell Wilson things. Oh, nothing's open. I can run for the first. That's 10 yards, four carries, 50 yards, basically 10 a carry. So him doing what he does. But, um, you know, then we get Carlos Hyde, four carries, five yards. So that obviously didn't do anything. Now we look at uh, who Russell Wilson was throwing to. DK Metcalf, five receptions, 96 yards. You know, you take off, you know, 50 yards. You're looking at four receptions for about 40 yards in the grand scheme of things. He did have two touchdowns trying to do what he does best. Unfortunately, just wasn't consistent throughout the entire game. Uh, Tyler Lockett, two carries for six or 45 yards. Yeah, 45 yards. So, I mean, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were still getting targets. I mean, DK Metcalf was targeted 11 times. Tyler Lockett was targeted four times. So, I mean, he was still going to his weapons, but, you know, they weren't getting open. The Rams defense is fantastic. Jalen Ramsey was still kind of locking them down consistently throughout the game. So, Seahawks offense, man, it's got it's, something's got to happen. It, it's got to change because that huge three, 180 that they, they took in the middle of the season – you know, they haven't been good. This offense has not been good or reliable for literally the past eight weeks, and it's truly unfortunate because Russell Wilson's a great quarterback, a great story, and he's got some great weapons in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So truly unfortunate for the Seahawks. Now let's switch over to the Rams. I mean, this was supposed to be Jer John Walford versus Russell Wilson, but John Walford gets knocked out of the game, I think, on the first drive. Either first or second drive. The man only went three of six. He only attempted six passes. So then Jared Koff comes in, and then look at this, man. Nine of 19. Nine of 19. These are not too good. I mean, I guess we can, you know, praise it on the defense because this Rams defense is good, and this Seahawks defense is good as well. It's just the offenses cannot, you know, do anything productive throughout the entire game against these good strong defenses so Jared Goff goes 9 of 19 for 155 yards one touchdown and then, you know, the main thing for the Rams here was their running game. Cam Akers, 20 big carries for 131 yards and a touchdown. So basically almost outperformed Jared Goff himself. So that's another reason why the Rams had success. Also having success by picking off Russell Wilson, getting six points that way, creating, you know, decently short fields. Not, you know, extraordinary short fields, but decently short fields. Let's see what we can get here where these Rams were starting at. You know, starting at their own 28 on the first drive, that's nothing special. Starting on their own 20, nothing too special there. Starting on their own 41, now that's good, but they had a punt on that drive. Um, starting on their own 25, they get a field goal. Own 25 touchdown. So I guess, and now here we go in the second half, you know, on their own 41-yard line, punt. On their own 20-yard line, they punt. So I guess they didn't even have decent field position. It was just that pick six that really kind of changed the game for them in the running attack, just being very consistent throughout the entire game by, you know, doing 131 yards. That's fantastic. All right, Jared Goff, leading wide receiver for him was Cooper Cup, four receptions, 70 eight yards love to see that by him um and then robert woods four receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown so him doing his own thing jared goff once again going to his weapons as well cooper cup robert woods um cooper cup a little up in the air if he's going to be able to go next week hopefully he is hopefully his injury isn't too serious but, um, you know, at the end of the day, Jared Goff, are we going to trust him? How is he going to look next week? Um, you know, he's probably going to play. I, I don't understand why he would not play if he played. He didn't play, he didn't play great. He went 9 of 19, folks. I mean, that's not good. And he also, you know, only had 150-something yards. So nothing great there by Jared Goff. This Rams defense is definitely the only thing that's really keeping them in this playoffs. So we'll see how they work next week. 
Alrighty, now let's go to Bucks in Washington. And I think Taylor Heineke just won the starting job for Washington going into next season. Washington, they're 7-9. I believe they're just outside of the top 10 in their draft pick. Um, so they probably won't get you know, a, you know, know, a, a great quarterback if that's the direction they're going to. But the way that Taylor Heineke played in this game and was clutch and, you know, keeping the game close and never got, you know, starstruck by Tom Brady, never thought, you know, he was getting outcompeted by Tom Brady. So very well done by Taylor Heineke. And I think Washington, I think you start him at quarterback next year. Maybe fix something else. Maybe with your first round draft pick, get something else to shore up. Maybe get another wide receiver, you know, uh, you know, an offensive lineman, somebody else on the defense to shore that up. But I think Taylor Heineke can have a season of being a quarterback for Washington and have six and be kind of that game manager he was doing very well so we'll start here with Washington Taylor Heineke 26 of 44 for 306 yards one touchdown one pick let's see where his pick came from came early in this game uh, first quarter they were driving a little bit, second and 11 on Tampa Bay's 47-yard line, so a little bit of a drive. And then, unfortunately for um, you know Tam or for Washington, that interception goes and leads to seven points by Tampa Bay. They extend the lead up to nine nine nothing. But very well done by Taylor Heineke, kind of like Russell Wilson. He throws an interception and he gets it right back. So really, kind of cancels it out a little bit. Took momentum back away from the Bucks. Got that score back. So at the end of the day, a little bit you know kind of easy. Peasy, you know, squash it out, but you know, interception is still an interception, and points, you know, given are still points given. So Taylor Heineke played very well. Uh, let's go to their leading rushers. Taylor Heineke was their leading rusher. Eight carries. Six carries, 46 yards. I'm sorry, my contacts are bugging me today. Uh, six carries, 46 yards, one touchdown. Antonio Gibson, 14 carries, 31 yards. Really non-factor. The Bucks were not letting you rush, and that's what we know about the Bucks defense. They can really stop the rush, but in the passing game, they just let Tyler, Taylor Heineke throw, you know, 306 yards. So next week, when the Bucks have to go and face the Saints, Drew Brees. Uh, they're going to be able to pick apart this Bucks defense. Now, will they be able to stop, uh, stop Alvin Kamara on the ground? Yeah, they'll probably stop him on the ground, but we know Alvin Kamara can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. So, you know, this Bucks team is not going to be, uh, you know, favored very heavily in the Saints game, I can tell you. Now, here we go. Let's see who Taylor Heineke was throwing to. Uh, Cam Sims, leading receiver for them, seven carries, 104 yards, no touchdowns. Terry McLaurin, six receptions, 75 yards, no touchdown. And then we get Logan Thomas, five receptions, 74 yards, no touchdown. So Taylor Heineke was spreading the ball around three different receivers with all 70 plus yards. You love to see that. Terry McLaurin, I'm, or Taylor McLaurin, I'm telling y'all, can really ball. He was really stepping up in this game. I mean, the game kind of got a, a little bit out of reach for a second there. It was 18-7 to going into halftime. Then, you know, after halftime, Washington, Taylor Heineke leads them on a 47-yard drive, gets a field goal, a couple of punts. They get a fumble, shorter field. They are starting on their own 39-yard line, and Taylor Heineke drives them down for a touchdown, and now it's a two-point two game now. They actually, do they go for two-point conversion and they don't get it? They do, unfortunate. Taylor Heineke passed to Logan Thomas incomplete. So unfortunate there, just not clutch, just not clutch. That's kind of, you know, what we're taking away. Very, very solid play from Taylor Heineke, but not clutch. He misses a two-point conversion here. And then, you know, they, they trade touchdowns a little bit in the fourth quarter. 
The Bucks make it a 31 to 23 game, and Taylor Heineke has one more chance here, two minutes and 50 seconds to go down and drive, get the touchdown, get the two point conversion, tie this game up at 31. Unfortunately, Taylor Heineke not clutch. It comes down to fourth in uh, 2021, and. Uh, and uh, they're on their own 40-yard line. So couldn't drive it, couldn't get the clutch drive to go, unfortunate. But I think I think he, he I, Washington would not have put up 23 points if Alex Smith was that quarterback, folks. I, I don't think he would have been able to do that. So Taylor Heineke, I think it was the right decision to start him, right decision to play him. And I think going forward, Taylor Heineke is your number one quarterback going into 2021. All righty, now let's talk about the Bucks here. Tom Brady had a magnificent game, 23 22 of 40, 381 yards, two touchdowns, no picks for the man. Very well done. Cool comp collected throughout the entire game. You know, getting a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, nothing in the second quarter, right? No, they get it. Yeah, they get a touchdown in the first quarter, touchdown in the second quarter, touchdown in the third quarter. No, they only get one field goal in the third quarter. Uh, and they also fumble this. So, not a great third quarter, but then in the fourth quarter, touchdown field goal on their two drives. You love to see it. So, Tom Brady. Cool, calm, collected throughout the entire game. Putting up points really throughout the entire game. That's what you love to see. And uh, Washington puts up 31 huge points. And, you know, that's kind of what we figured or the Bucks would do. Um, you know, put up at least 30 points. We know Washington's defense is good. But at the end of the day, there's too many weapons to stop on this Bucks team. And that's exactly what we saw because look at the leading rusher here. Uh, 19 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Uh, now let's go to his wide receivers. Mike Evans, six carries, 100, 119 yards. So, I mean, folks, their top running back, basically 100 yards. Their top wide receiver, basically 100 yards. How can you stop that? How can you stop that? They couldn't. That's the answer. They could not stop it. So then uh, Cameron Brates, the second leading wide receiver, four receptions for 80 yards. Chris Godwin, five receptions, 79 yards, one touchdown. Antonio Brown, two receptions, 49 yards, one touchdown. Leonard Fournette, four receptions, 39 yards. How can you stop all these pieces? You can't, folks. And Tom Brady was just playing, you know, game manager football. That's all he had to do. He Now he was still missing a couple of throws here. If you look at the completion percentage, wasn't that great 22 of 40 which is basically above basically above 50 percent it's like 54 maybe so not great completions percentage wise but at the end of the day he was making the plays when he needed to score touchdowns when he needed to and that's something that we can definitely get behind but this Bucks team next week really has the toughest opponent of the season I don't think they've beaten them all at all this season I think they lost both of their meetings so this is going to be the toughest opponent the Bucks have faced all season the defense is good can Tom Brady out duel um, Drew Brees in the dome in the Mercedes dome I don't know if he can so good defense here by Washington kept you know I mean this is exactly what you would want if you're a Washington defense hold Tom Brady to like 50% completion percentage 30 30 points maximum and then you have a chance to win the game and they in Washington did have the chance to win the game unfortunately Taylor Heineke was just not clutch but I really loved what he did all game so that's what we had from Tampa Bay Washington and we'll see Tampa Bay next week 
Alrighty, Ravens, Titans, and folks, John Harbaugh, he learns from his mistakes, and you love to see it. Remember last year in the playoffs, these two, these two teams faced, and the Titans won. Derrick Henry had a huge game, and we get the infamous quote of Lamar Jackson saying that they didn't game plan for Derrick Henry. Well, they game plan for him this game, and I can guarantee you they did, because look at what Derrick Henry did. He did nothing. He did nothing. So if Derrick Henry does nothing, that means by association, by the transitive property that Ryan Tannehill did nothing. So that's what you get, 13 points by the Titans. That's what happens when you shut down Derrick Henry. We'll start with the Titans here. Derrick Henry, 18 carries for 40 yards. 40 yards? 40 yards, two and a half yards a carry. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you the last time that I saw Derrick Henry only average two and a half yards a carry. Um, I don't think that may be his worst average carry game of his entire career. I would bet money on that. I would bet money on that. So he he could not get going all game. So very well done by the Ravens defense and the game plan by John Harbaugh to stop the run. You should have done that last season and you probably would have won the Super Bowl if you did, but you didn't for some odd reason. But at least he's learning from his mistakes so that we can definitely get behind. So since uh, Derrick Henry struggled, Ryan Tannehill struggles, uh, 16 18 of 26 for 165 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Let's see where this pick came from. Coming at the end of the game when he has a chance to win or tie. They're down seven. Not really driving, but two minutes left. Second and five on your own 37-yard line, and he just throws a pick. Let's watch it really quickly. Is it his fault? I, I know it is, but we'll see. Is it his fault? Let's watch it here. Ryan Tannehill over the middle. Oh, it gets tipped at the line. So maybe it wasn't his fault. Let me make sure it gets tipped at the line. Mm, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> maybe it doesn't get picked at the line. We'll see a replay of it here, hopefully. But um, very well done by the Ravens defense just being there in the right position. That's what they do. They bend. They don't break. They get turnovers. And that's uh, I believe that's Marcus Peters, and you can't be challenging that man. So here we go. We'll get a better look at it here if it's tipped at the line or if it just kind of sails on him a little bit. It doesn't get tipped. Receiver just kind of falls down a little bit. Ryan Tannehill trying to push the ball down a little bit too much here. I mean, you watch this receiver. Uh, this is not really triple coverage. Collapsing coverage. Uh, man defense. And, uh, you know, Marcus Peters just kind of wins that matchup. So trying to test some good corners and these Ravens have good, co Ravens have good corners. Can't be testing them all like that. And um, Ryan Tannehill. Pretty good in the first quarter. He had um, on their first drive, or second drive, I should say, some big plays here, some big passing plays without the run that really kind of sets him up. So very well done to Ryan Tannehill, but he could not contain that um, kind of level of play throughout the entire game, and that's why they lose. Um, so here we go. What else we got? Um, A.J. Brown doing A.J. Brown things. Six receptions, 93, 83 yards. I'm sorry, folks. My contacts are bugging. I got to change them after this. But uh, six carries for A.J. Brown, 83 yards, one touchdown. Fantastic. Unfortunately, they didn't have Corey Davis. I mean, he caught no passes. You're not going to win the game if Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are not your two leading wide receivers. That's the, exact, that's the game plan. That's the, blue, the blueprint for the Titans winning. Having Derrick Henry rush for at least at least 20 carries for at least 100 yards, and then having Ryan Tannehill go about, you know, 57 to 62% completion percentage for basically like 230 yards, while A.J. Brown and Corey Davis both having 100 yards receptions and basically a touchdown each. That's the blueprint for the Titans to win the game. So, 
Ravens shutting down that blueprint. Tannehill, not over 200 yards. Derrick Henry's not at 20 carries, not at over 100 yards. Corey Davis, not at any yards, not at any touchdown. The only thing that they couldn't stop was A.J. Brown. He had six receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. That's basically the only part of the blueprint that the Titans worked with. Unfortunate for them. All right, let's now go to the Ravens now, and this this is a classic Ravens game. This is what they do. Lamar Jackson, 17 of 24, 179 yards, no touchdown. The pick, not good there. He threw it very early on, and it led to, you know, three points. The Titans got out to a 10 nothing lead. Once again, fantastic by the Ravens to overcome that deficit and really only allow three points for the rest of the game. That's shut down defense right there. So Ravens, fantastic here. Now let's talk about the runners because that's what we... That's the only thing you need to talk about when you're talking about the Ravens. They didn't even have Mark Ingram, and they still were able to get it done. So Lamar Jackson leading rusher, 16 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. I mean, folks, he almost had more carries than rushes, and then he puts up over basically 300 yards combined. Fantastic work. All right, J.K. Dobbins, that man was having himself a game as well. Nine carries for 43 yards. He scored a touchdown. Gus Edwards, eight carries, 38 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, folks, we're talking about, you know, 250 yards between the three running backs. I should say three runners. We're not going to disrespect Lamar Jackson by calling him a running back. I should say runners. My apologies there. I mean, it's just fantastic work what they do. Um, and then, and then, Marquise Brown, a game by him. Very well done. I mean, his best game of the season. His best game of the season. Not dropping all the passes, getting downfield, getting open. Seven receptions for him, 109 yards. He didn't even score a touchdown. And this is still his best game of the season. Mark, Mark Andrews, four, four receptions, 41 yards. And then uh, Patrick Rickard, Richard, three receptions, 26 yards. Unfortunately, Des Bryant didn't catch anything. No X this game. But, um, you know, we still get possibly a next, next week because the Ravens won the game. They move on. We took the Ravens minus three, three and a half, whatever you locked it in at. They win by seven. So perfect there. It's just this Titans team. I love them. I think they're great. I love. I'm telling you, I really love everything about the Titans, from their coaching staff, the tight, the the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running back. Everything about this team is very good. They do need to shore up their defense a little bit, and I, I don't know. I Tannehill does have a lower quarterback ceiling, unfortunately. I mean, as we see in all of these losses, you can trace it back to Derrick Henry not having a good game because Ryan Tannehill really, really feeds off of Derrick Henry. The run opens up the pass. In Ryan Tannehill, it's unfortunate, but he's a game manager. And when he's on and when he plays well, he's an above-average game manager at best. But when everything's not going his way, he's just a game manager and he can't get it done. He makes the mistakes at the end of the game. Couldn't do anything. No real sustainable drives. And it's unfortunate because they could not get the running game started. I mean, look at these drives by the Titans in the second half. Six plays, 20 yards. Seven plays, 36 yards. They settled for a field goal there. Uh, five plays, 18 yards. They have to punt. And then you get the six plays, 16 yards for the interception. While you look at the Ravens' drives, we're talking 10 plays, 77 yards, six minutes. 
you know, they went three, five, they went three, three plays, five yards. So they had a three and out there. Seven plays, forty-one yards. They miss a field goal. Nine plays, sixty-two yards. Another five-minute drive. So I mean, they were moving the ball even on their last drive here to really ice the game. All they needed to do was pick up one first down, and they pick up six plays for forty-six yards. So really, everything was working here for the Ravens here in the second half. Their running game is too good. If you stop one run, they'll come back at you with another run and they'll come back at you again and again and again and again until it finally works if it's not working already so Ravens get the win love to see them move on now they have to go and face the Bills and uh, I don't know man the Bills they're good but this Ravens team their offense is just something extraordinary folks it's magical it's good it's consistent it runs it passes it can do whatever it needs to do to win the game so Ravens Bills gonna be a really good one Alrighty, the the best game of the week here. Bears and Saints and Mitch Trubisky gets it done. No, he doesn't get it done. Did anybody think he would get it done? The man put up three points the entire game. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about his touchdown. I will not, not acknowledge it. And NFL's really not acknowledging it either. I mean, look at this, folks. How funny is this? When you look at the drive chart and you and you look at touchdown, they always have the extra point in here on the drive chart. They don't even I don't even know if they attempted the extra point. There was three seconds left in the game. Um, you still have to attempt the extra point at the end of regulation, but in overtime you don't. Uh, but it's funny here that you know the NFL didn't even respect Mitch Trubisky to give him an extra point attempt. Didn't even you know add it here. So he probably did. Let's see if we can kind of cue this up really quickly. I want to see this extra point attempt because they didn't even they missed it if it's an extra point, um, just a one point, and um, they didn't get it if it's a two point. But they didn't even kind of put it in the drive chart. They didn't even mention the extra point attempt because everybody's just trying to get out of here at this point. So here we go. The last play, Mitch Trubisky. This is a touchdown. And that's a fantastic catch by Jimmy Graham. Holy moly. This is overthrown and outside. You see Jimmy Graham just a one-handed catch. They don't even kick the extra point. What a catch here. Mitch Trubisky. This is how Mitch Trubisky gets the MVP because of this touchdown right here. It's not a great throw. It's a great catch. And then they didn't even kick the extra point, folks. I mean, because the NFL was like, oh, my goodness. Did we give this man seven free points here? So, Mitch Trubisky doesn't get it done. We knew this. Come on. We'll start here with the Bears. What did the MVP do? The Nickelodeon most valuable player. 19 of 29 for 199 yards and a touchdown. Basically, right on the level of dink and dunk or not dink and dunk. But he didn't do anything special. He wanted to air it out. 200 yards. Is that airing it out? Because it's not. It's basically dink and dunk. And he had the one touchdown pass at the end of the game. I'm not even counting that. I'm not counting that. So no touchdown, no pick. He didn't fumble, but he didn't get he didn't do it. He didn't do what he needed to do. He didn't go out there and sling the ball around. You couldn't trust him throughout the game. And it's unfortunate. But Mitch Trubisky should not be a quarterback, a starting quarterback. He can back up. I don't care if he backs up. Be a backup. But that's what he is. He's a backup. He's not a starter here. Um, all right, um, the running game, David Montgomery, 12 carries for 31 yards, so nothing was working for the Bears. They couldn't even open up the run to open up the pass because the Saints had it all locked down. Now, we know the Bears put up 
three points offensively in this game. Mitch Trubisky had basically not even 200 yards passing. So what can we draw conclusions of? Allen Robinson did not have a good game. Let's see if we're right here. Top receiver is Allen Robinson, six receptions for 55 yards. So yes, that's that's all you need to see. The running game was not good, and Allen Robinson only had 55 yards. You're not putting up more than 21 points. I can guarantee you that. That's like three points, exactly what they did. 55 yards for Allen Robinson. Leading receiver, Riley Ridley, two receptions, 36 yards. Javon Wims, one reception, 28 yards. Jimmy Graham, two receptions, 25 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, the touchdown, take take it away. That was like a 25-yard pass. So he wasn't even going to his safety blanket in the dink and dunk category of Jimmy Graham. So where was he going with the ball? He wasn't airing it out. They weren't going deep on all these passes. And if they were, they were all incomplete because he doesn't even have 200 yards passing, folks. So he gets nothing done. He gets nothing done. Classic Mitch Trubisky, classic Bears game, classic everything. Bears cannot play. Bears need to get rid of Mitch Trubisky. If you keep him as a starter for another season, it's it now falls on Matt Nagy. We'll, we'll have to start blaming Matt Nagy, but you have to get this man off your roster. The MVP off your roster. Get the MVP off your roster. If you're, if you're ever a head coach and you're looking at your roster and you're looking at their accolades, you're like, all right, MVP, he won. All right, he won a Super Bowl. He got to the playoffs. This this guy was MVP. The hell is that? Get him off your squad. Somebody's like, oh, it's the Nickelodeon valuable player. The Nickelodeon valuable. Get that man off my team. I don't even want to talk about MVP, folks. Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my goodness. Now let's talk about the Saints. Drew Brees, 28 of 39 for 265 yards. He wasn't slinging the ball either, but he was just doing what he needed to do to win the game. That's the difference between a veteran quarterback who's already won a Super Bowl and Mitch Trubisky who thinks he's a starter in this league. Just being productive, putting up points, that's all you have to do. Mitch Trubisky can't do that. Drew Brees here. 28 completions for 265 yards. That's dink and dunk. That's not 10 yards of completion, so we count that as dink and dunk. And he had two touchdowns. So even while dinking and dunking, he was still putting up the points. And that's what you want to see. I've got no problem with that. Win the game. Win the game however you want to do it. And I'll talk around it, but do it how you do it. And the Drew Brees did it right here. Two touchdowns. Fantastic. Um, Alvin Kamara, they, the Bears couldn't stop him either. 23 carries, 99 yards and a touchdown. Very well done. Let's see who Drew Brees was going to. We get Deontay Harris. Have we heard of him this season? Seven receptions, 83 yards. Then we get Michael Thomas. Love to see that. Five receptions, 73 yards. And Michael Thomas scoring a touchdown. Back at it, baby. What, he missed like the last mm, five, six weeks of the season? And he comes back and instantly have success. Mitch Trubisky can't do that. If Mitch Trubisky was the quarterback for the Saints, Michael Thomas would have no touchdown. Um, Jared Cook, third leading wide receiver for the Saints, four receptions, 40 yards. Unfortunately, Emmanuel Sanders, two receptions for only three yards. Um, Drew Brees, I think, overthrew him on a touchdown, potential touchdown pass, if I'm remembering correctly. But at the end of the day, he gets it done, and he doesn't turn over the football. So you love to see it. Um, all right, what else do we get? Um we were right here. We were right. All right. Let's take y'all back. Let's set up the scene. A couple weeks ago, we had a video. This was on the Saints Christmas Day game that we saw, that we acknowledged it. We saw 
Sean Payton, sub out Alvin Kamara, put Taysom Hill in, and they ran the ball, and Taysom Hill gets the touchdown. And it broke the internet because Alvin Kamara did not get the seven touchdowns that he would have had. So we saw that, and then we started thinking, and then we saw started to kind of watch some film on some weeks back, and then we saw that this was a design play that Sean Payton wanted to get out on film, and we knew that the the um the alternative of the play would 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 come in the playoffs or the Super Bowl when they needed a score um, because they had this play on tape that it was always Taysom Hill to the right, Taysom Hill run to the right, Taysom Hill run to the right, tight formation. Um, here we go. We got the video pulled up. This is our video here. We're not going to play any sound or anything, but this is the play that we're talking about here. Sean or Taysom Hill out on quarterback on the one or two yard line, bunch formation, and then Taysom Hill run to the right. Run to the right. He did it about three different times throughout the season. Here it is. This is the play that we're talking about here. Tight formation, single backfield with the running back to the right of uh, Taysom Hill, and then Taysom Hill gets a direct snap and runs it in for the touchdown. We talked about this, folks. We talked about this December 31st, 2020. That's when we uploaded it. I believe we talked about it the same day. And, you know, this is what we got. So we said that Taysom Hill, Sean Payton, they would run this play in the playoffs or the Super Bowl when they needed a score. And what did we get this week, folks? Well, we got it. We got it. We called it. We got it. Here it is. And now it could even be deeper than this. So we have to kind of preface it with this. So let's bring you to the play. Let's watch the play first. So let's skip this one. And then we'll come back to this play because Sean Payne can still be playing big brain IQ 4D chess. So, and I'm also a little upset that he brought out this trick play against the Bears. Did you really think you needed to do it against the Bears? So here we go. This is what we get here. Taysom Hill in the huddle. It's on the two-yard line. It's 14-3. Now let's look at the formation they come out into. Here it is, folks. The formation that we've been talking about. Taysom Hill, tight formation, single back to the right of Taysom Hill on the two-yard line. So what do you think this play is going to be? A Taysom Hill play to the right. Rush to the right. Direct snap, right? Well, that's what you think it would be. But then... Then Sean Payton, this is where the trickery, the you know, the um, alternative of this play comes in, having wide receivers run routes on this play. So Sean Payton thought they needed a must score here. It was 14 to 3, really just trying to get a touchdown and ice the game. The Bears in Sean Payton's mind is thinking, oh, this is an obvious run to the right. We've been watching this film. We know this in this formation with the single backfield type formation at the line. Taysom Hill, direct snap, run to the right. And that's when they started to do it. And right at the last second, Taysom Hill just pops this one. This is a block and release by a tight end here. Now, the Chicago plays it absolutely fantastically and breaks up the play. Unfortunately for the Bears, it's a flag. And now the... Um, the Saints get a fresh set of downs with this. So Sean Payton brought out the trick play here that we've been kind of tracking for the last couple of weeks, brings it out here against the Bears. It doesn't work, but but it could go even deeper than this, folks. Maybe Sean Payton wants this on film, and I only say this for one reason, because on this second down play right here, this is the play that sets up the Taysom Hill direct snap dink off on the block and release by the tight end. Just watch this play. It doesn't look – it looks a little weird. It looks a little off. So Drew Brees, Taysom Hill is going to come in motion, and Taysom Hill is going to get the handoff from Drew Brees. Now watch Taysom Hill at the end of this play. Not diving to the end zone, just trying to get to the one-yard line. Didn't really make an effort to extend the ball when it really kind of seemed like he had 50-50 here against the corner to get to the corner. 
And we've seen Taysom Hill run it out and lay it, lay it all on the line and dive for the end zone and take the hit and take the blow, deliver the blow, deliver the hit. We've seen all this by Taysom Hill. So why did he just kind of lay, lackadaisically go out of bounds? This isn't the, the, the Taysom Hill I know. So is Sean Payton wanting to set up this play so they get the misdirection of Taysom Hill throwing the ball? Is this going to be a big brain IQ by Sean Payton? And then we get this quick little snippet here. We get this quick little snippet of Drew Brees and Taysom Hill talking, talking right now on this play that goes from Taysom Hill lining up under center, gets the direct snap, and then runs it but passes it off. So I don't know what the heck is going on here. I don't know if Sean Payton is setting up this play for even a bigger trickery down the road in the playoffs. I don't know, man. But um, this is what we get. It's a little weird. It's a little lackadaisical that Taysom Hill didn't extend the ball. It seemed like um, Sean Payton wants this play on tape again so they can run a different formation the next time. Everything is still going to the right, to the right, to the right. So I think Sean Payton's queuing up for some big brain IQ, uh, kind of a trick play, special play in the Super Bowl or you know in the next two games of the playoffs of this kind of same formation of Taysom Hill, direct snap, going to the right. But I think now we're gearing up for a pass back to the left side, which will be wide open. So that's the new trick play we have to watch out for Taysom Hill bunch formation single back to the right rolling right but now throwing back left that's going to be the play that catches everybody off guard come next two weeks or the Super Bowl when Sean Payton gets down to this kind of location again Alrighty, um, let's move on to the last game of the day. One of the wildest games of the weekend. I think that's easy to say. Browns, Steelers, and right from the rip, Browns jump on some turnovers and get basically win it right from the jump. They win this one right from the jump. The fumble, the bad snap, the high snap. And once again, this goes back to us saying that Big Ben should not have taken the game off last week, week 17. The center took the game off, Drew, uh, and Big Ben took the game off. So what happens on the first play of the game? It's an it's a high snap over Big Ben for a touchdown. Big Ben didn't play. Marquise Pouncey didn't play. The the rhythm was off right on one play. That's all we needed to see, but there was more. Then we get an interception by Big, Big by Big Ben. High throw, intercepted easy. Once again, Big Ben not having that rhythm of the receivers. Receivers kind of used to Mason Rudolph now because of Week 17. Big Ben didn't play last week, so he's out of game rhythm. Yes, you can do whatever you want in practice, but it's practice. The speed between game time and practice is is like 4,000% increase. So, and then now it's 14 nothing because Baker Mayfield is cruising along and, you know, doing fantastic on short fields. They're starting on the Pittsburgh 46-yard line. Fantastic short field there. Now it's 14 nothing. Then they're back to three and out once again. The run game was never established, so they could not even get the third and one because Mike Tomlin did not game plan for a run to get that reestablished last week in Week 17. So really everything that we said of what the Steelers did wrong in Week 17 came back and bit them in the butt in this game. Um, high snap because Marquise Pouncey wasn't playing with Big Ben last week. He wasn't even playing at all. Big Ben overthrows, not accurate throws, leads to interceptions because Big Ben didn't play 
during week 17. The running game was non-existent once again for the Steelers as we see 11 carries by James Conner for 37 yards and one touchdown. That's not good. Now I understand that you got down big so you really couldn't run the ball but I mean you know, on this drive, you're trying to run it three straight times and you can't, which leads to another Browns touchdown. So your mistakes ended up leading to more scores. And then we get another pick by Big Ben Roethlisberger, another high throw that's un that's not really uncatchable, but it's a difficult catch to make. And these Steelers wide receivers were already having trouble catching the ball the last six weeks. So why are, once again, you not playing Big Ben week 17? You have not earned the game off and everything that happened happened to them happened to them for a reason because they sat all their starters on week 17 it's clear as day here folks if you really watch the film and what happened in this game and how they got down so big it's everything because they sat on week 17 the starters all right, so Big Ben ends up going 47 of 58 for 500 yards, which is absolutely insane, but he needed to because they got down huge, folks. What was it, 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter? So, yes, you have to throw the ball every single down now. You have to air it out. You have to try and get some points, go down the field, because you're down 28 points. What other team scored 28 points in the entire game this weekend? Bill scored 27. Rams put up 30 for the entire game. Bucks put up 31 for the entire game. Ravens put up 20. Saints put up 21. And now the, the Browns put up 28 in one quarter, 48 overall. So Big Ben, yes, he threw for 500 yards, four touchdowns, but he also threw four, four picks like a Jameis Winston. And we know if you play like Jameis Winston, you lose games. I mean, you know, you can't go one-to-one -one touchdown and interception ratio even though you throw four touchdowns. You still are throwing four interceptions canceling out all the good you've done all right we talked about the running backs now let's talk about Juju Smith-Schuster his quote about the Browns just being the Browns and all the Browns are gray faces and no names and then he comes out here and he did have a good stat line 12 or 13 carries for 157 yards and a touchdown but it got going late it got going late. He didn't do anything in the first half. He wasn't, you know, catching balls. There was a couple of balls that he just dropped in the first half of this game. He didn't really get started until, I believe, late, maybe second quarter or really after halftime. Um, that's when he caught his touchdown, and that's when he was getting all these yards. But he wasn't being good in the beginning of the game, at the start of the game. That's why they were down 28 nothing. Uh, Deontay Johnson, 11 receptions for 117 yards, no touchdowns. James Washington, five receptions for 70 yards and no touchdowns. So it was just kind of Big Ben slinging it here because he had to sling it. Unfortunate. Let's go to the Browns now because Baker Mayfield and company had a fantastic game. The offense was working. The, uh, the defense was working. Everything was working here for the Browns, and you love to see it with all the COVID news and the coaches switcheroo. I mean, the last time we saw a coach switcheroo was the Lions on, uh, was it Thanksgiving or, you know, uh, Christmas, the day after Christmas when they faced the Bucks and the Bucks absolutely stomped them. The Lions literally could not do anything. Uh, the Browns here. I mean, they were just like nothing happened. Like no coaches were missing. So Baker Mayfield, 21 of 34 for 300. 
No, 263 yards with three touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, absolutely magnificent by the man, played a flawless game, the running backs were, you know, piling it on, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, 18 carries for 76 yards, no touchdowns, and then uh, Kareem Hunt, Eight, eight carries for 46 yards and two touchdowns. Once again, Kareem Hunt being that kind of leader in the beginning of the game, getting that offense jump-started, the long runs, the big runs, the two touchdowns. I mean, the Steelers could not stop anything. The Browns kind of focused the run a lot in the first half just to kind of maintain that big lead. Let kind of Baker Mayfield open it up a little bit in the second half a little bit just to kind of keep pace because the Steelers were throwing the ball a lot. They kind of had to keep pace with that, and Baker Mayfield played great. He played absolutely fantastic. Uh, leading wide receiver here for the Browns, Jarvis Landry, five receptions, 92 yards, touchdown. Nick Chubb, four receptions, 69 yards, touchdown. Austin Hooper, seven receptions, 46 yards, touchdown. Richard Higgins, two receptions, 28 yards, no touchdown. So this man was slinging it around to all of his weapons. Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, tight end, running back, um, wide receiver. It doesn't matter. Big ba or Baker Mayfield was giving the ball to everybody. This is a huge sign of the Browns. And now, uh, last remember the last time we saw the Browns get out to a huge, huge lead against the Titans earlier in the season? And then in the second half, they really didn't do anything and almost kind of blew the lead. Well, this is a perfect sign for the Browns because they put up 28 points in the first quarter. They still put up seven points in the second quarter. Then they went and put up no points in the third quarter. But the fourth quarter, they got back on track. Touchdown, two field goals, really icing the game. That's something that they didn't do against the Titans. Baker Mayfield fumbles, makes it a seven-point game at the end of the day. So Browns really kind of held on to that big lead. They didn't really flounder at the end of the game. They were playing to the fourth quarter. It, it worked. Everything was great. They were putting up points in the fourth quarter to maintain the lead and not let it slip away. So perfect sign for the Browns. Baker Mayfield played good. The running, back, running backs played good. The coaching staff coached very well. They got out big, and uh, they kept that lead. They kept the momentum. They kept the pressure on the Steelers to keep scoring after scoring after scoring because the Browns were like, if you're scoring a touchdown, we're getting some points too. Whether it be a touchdown or a field goal, we have to keep pace with them, and that's what they did this game. So. Brown's fantastic. I, I mean, Baker Mayfield impressed me probably. Did Baker Mayfield impress me the most out of anybody this week? Yes, yes, yes. Um... Yes, he yes, yes. That that's really it. He 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 played better than Philip Rivers. He played better than Josh Allen. He played better than both of these quarterbacks for the Rams and Seahawks easily. Um he played better than Tom Brady. He played better than Taylor Heineke. He played better than Lamar Jackson. Maybe not that much. Maybe not that much. Um, but he played better than Ryan Tannehill. He played better than Big Ben. He played better than Drew Brees. He played definitely better than Mitch Trubisky. So, so yeah, Baker Mayfield not floundering the lead, securing the lead, being that game manager that he just needed to be this game because the fumble and the two rushing touchdowns kind of right off the rip. That's a, This is a 21 nothing game. Baker Mayfield just kind of take it easy. Don't turn over the ball. And that's exactly what he did. Um, alrighty, let's quickly do our moneymaker for today. We've got a college championship game today, baby. Come on, Ohio State, Alabama. Let's see what the line is. Um, here we go. And it, whoa, this one's come up. Wow, I think it started at Ohio State minus seven and or plus seven and a half, and now it's Ohio State plus nine, Alabama minus nine. 
Um, alrighty, Justin Fields looking really good. Absolutely kind of destroyed Clemson, and he played fantastic. I think he threw four touchdowns and didn't even throw an interception that game. So he played very well. Alabama's been great all season. Um, but I think this is going to be a close game. I mean, Ohio State was getting plus seven and a half against Clemson last week. I mean, and they won outright. Now here they face Alabama. Justin Fields is playing good. Both these teams have had, you know, two weeks to prepare for this game. And um, we're going to take the points here. We're going to go Ohio State plus nine and a half. We're going to trust um, Justin Fields here. I know Alabama's wide receiver is fantastic. The quarterback's fantastic. I'm blanking on the quarterback's name. Um... But, um, you know, the wide receiver, Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, hopefully future Dolphin, we can we can hope with that third overall pick. But, um, yeah, we're going to take Ohio State plus the nine points here. National championship game. Ohio State, play, I mean, played way better than I thought they would. I didn't even think Justin Fields was capable of playing that well against a good opponent. But he blew out my expectations out of the water. So we're going to ride with him here this week with the nine points. Now, there is something I do want to bring up. This was uh, pointed out to me by a fan. So shout out this fan. If you are listening and you know the story, then congratulations to you. So let's take it back to last week. So we're going to be looking at Vegas's odds and ESPN's odds. So last week, Ohio State was seven and a half point underdogs. Underdogs, they were plus seven and a half. But Ohio, but ESPN's um, predictability calculator. I'm forgetting the official name of it, but their college kind of predictor app. Um, it had that Ohio State was going to beat Clemson, uh, f having a 50 percent. 50.4% chance of winning while Clemson had a 49.6% chance of winning. So Vegas thought Ohio State was underdogs while ESPN thought they were favorites. Now this week, once again, Vegas thinks Ohio State is underdogs, but so does the ESPN app. And they think Alabama has a 60, I believe 64, 63 or 64% chance of winning this game. Whereas last week, as we just said, ESPN thought that Ohio State had a 50.4% chance. They think Ohio State's not even going to have like basically a 40% chance to win this game. So ESPN called it right last week. They think that this game's going to be big Alabama. Vegas had it wrong last week, and they think it's going to be um, Alabama big this week too with the minus nine. So with all that being said, we're still taking Ohio State plus nine. I just kind of want to add that antidote in there. Um, you know, that ESPN, you know, their predictability app could be pretty good. I mean, if, Ohio, if Alabama comes out here and absolutely blows out Ohio State, then we're going to have to take ESPN predictability app as, a, as the gospel, folks. So they called it last week, and if they call it this week, well, you know, who knows? So... But we're going to take the points here. Well, let's take the nine. Competitive game. Good game to watch. Good game to kind of tune in and just watch. Um, especially all the playoff football that we just watched this weekend. A really great end here for the national championship game. And I believe this kicks off at uh, 8 o'clock. So make sure you're watching that. But Ohio State plus, or, yeah, plus nine. The odds, you basically just double your money. So whatever you bet, 500, you win 455. Um, you know, 1,000, you'll win uh, 900. 890, is that right? 9-10, you win 9-10. So basically just doubling your money, whatever you bet, since it's a single team play. Um, Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, right? At, you know, I mean, like we, like we are always, <laughs> noon Eastern every single day. Um, we'll be breaking down the playoff games a little bit more, probably watch a little bit more in-depth film, and you know, go from there. Get us ready for this week's playoff games. 
We went um we went four and two in our picks. Well, we went three, two, and one. Three picks that we hit on um, all on Sunday actually. You know, Bear or Saints minus ten. Browns plus six and Ravens minus three and a half. We hit all those on Sunday. And then on Saturday, we missed Bills minus six and a half by, you know, three points. Unfortunate there. Um, we missed, um, we, we, we were totally wrong about the Seattle. We've had them minus three. They lose outright. And then Bucks minus eight. They win by eight. So we push there. So three, two, and one in our official picks this week. We're going to be looking to hit them all next week. All right. So that's going to do it. We're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, folks.